Waves in the Finiverse. There needs to be a broader ecosystem. Crypto really is about partnerships and thinking bigger and better all the time. A lot of the people that are coming in now uh, are really just investment driven. And I think what we are looking for are people that are truly trying to make a difference with blockchain in everyday's life. It's a question of when, not if, we're going to move out of this crypto winter, if you like. It's an ideal time to be building. And in my opinion, it's an ideal time to be investing. Walter Jennings, and this is Waves in the Finiverse. Venture capital funding is the lifeblood of Web3 companies. And in Hong Kong FinTech, we, we had the opportunity to sit with two leaders in the venture capital industry. First, we spoke with Shasin Yen uh, at Titan Fund, and then Lucy Gazmararian of Token Bay Capital. We learned what they are looking for when evaluating Web3 investments and how the recent changes in the market have altered their outlook in investing. Lucy Tien, welcome to Waves in the Finiverse. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Glad to be here. Thank you. I'm always excited to have a venture capital investor with us. Uh, Lucy, can you begin by telling us a little bit more about Token Bay Capital, your fund? Sure. So um, Token Bay Capital, it's an early stage digital assets and blockchain venture fund. And we are based in Hong Kong. We invest across the entire landscape of Web3. So that includes... Um, infrastructure, DeFi, Metaverse, uh, SocialFi, and financial services, or, or where financial services meets meets crypto. So it's a it's an all in one fund, and um, we invest in both equity and tokens. And the differentiating feature about us is that we are a regulated venture fund manager in Hong Kong. So we comply with the SFC. And um, that's important because investors are still a little bit nervous about deploying capital in the space. So it just gives comfort that actually a process and the governance is, is you know, in place for the fund. And uh, Lucy, you mentioned early stage. Uh, is that seed capital, uh, Series A? I mean, how early are you investing in some of the companies? Yes, so it is a focus on earlier stage. Um, there have been a range of deals that we've done, but I would say primarily it's uh, seed and series A. So we do work with founders uh, before the proof of concept has even been created um, because we understand what they're trying to do, the problem they're trying to solve, and we believe that they've got the skills and drive and tenacity to go after it um, and build. So um, it is a focus on early stage, but that being said, there are some later stage opportunities in the fund as well. Yen, introduce us to Titan Fund and CMCC. Sure, uh, CMCC is a uh, global Hong Kong-based um, uh, digital assets investor. Uh, they started in uh, 2016 and uh, been investing through all the cycles since then. Uh, I joined them recently in uh, actually just a few months ago. I was at another uh, crypto investment firm before. And uh, so the founders of CMC and I, we got together and said that we will or we should launch a new venture capital fund focused on digital assets. And um, so I'm here. Can you outline to us the kind of the remit, the size of the fund and the, the 
areas that you're most interested in? Sure. Um, so CMCC's uh, previous funds, so they've uh, had three funds, which they started in 2016. Uh, they had fund one, they had fund two, and they also had fund three. Uh, all of them exited uh, so far, and they've generated great returns for investors. Those funds were focused on uh, token investments. So uh, we were a seed investor in protocols such as Solana, Cosmos, etc. And so those have done very well. The Titan Fund is a bit different. The Titan Fund will invest in, uh, in a more like venture capital style. So that means investing in companies directly uh, for an equity stake. And um, where there also are token allocations, we can also take them, but the primary focus is to invest uh, in equity in startups in the infrastructure focused um, areas such as fintech as well as on the consumer side. Yeah. So the fund has been open for about 18 months now and I would say we were seeing a lot more DeFi protocols um, and initiatives at the end of last year. I would say what's really becoming more and more interesting recently is a lot of innovation in the social media space. Uh, and how, you know, companies are connecting people together in decentralized ways. That is becoming pretty interesting at this particular moment. And um, it's sort of giving the TikToks uh, run for their money, but having a token uh, as part of the ecosystem and as a way to bind your viewers and your participants in your network closer together with the platform and the brand. So I think that's a really exciting space right now. Well, and that's a bit of a challenge because you're not the only venture capital fund out there investing in uh, these in this area. How do you uh, make sure that the companies you want are attracted to you and your fund? Yeah, that's a very good question, um, especially in the last, I would say, two years. There are so many new funds that are started. Um, one of our main differences that we started in 2016, so we were one of the first uh, funds focus purely on blockchain and digital assets. We have a strong track record. We had uh, fund one, fund two, and fund three, uh, which generated a lot of returns. We've uh, returned more than uh, a quarter of a billion back to our investors. So number one, we, are, uh, we have a strong history uh, track record. And number two, we are actually based out of uh, Hong Kong. We started in Hong Kong, so we're very proud of that. Uh, we actually also licensed by the SFC. Um, we have offices in uh, North America, in Toronto. We also have an office in Europe, in Berlin. So we also a truly global firm. And I think it's, it's very important to have diversification. And that is important for cap tables. That's important for building strategic partners around them. These startups are looking to have people that can bring ecosystems with them. And if you have differentiated investors, they will have differentiated networks and ecosystems. So the people that I know will be very different to another VC, uh, depending on their profile. So actually diversification is, is really important, but it's important for a strategic reason. And so I do bring something different to the table to a lot of the VCs. Uh, my TradFi background, is is unusual uh, a lot of the vcs have not worked for 16 years in finance because they haven't been working for 16 years and so that does as the space is maturing and the ecosystem is really developing 
the ability to make those introductions and to really help with the interconnection between traditional finance markets and crypto or with more established brands and companies and corporates with startups. Sometimes it, it does take someone with a, a, a depth of network that has been built really over almost 20 years of my career. So that is something uh, very valuable that I bring to startups and, and being just a, a different type of investor and diversification is, is healthy. How do you evaluate a company that may not have product and may not have a long track record? So much about how I invest and how the team invests is based on the founder. That's really what you have to go with when it's very early stage. Of course, we've done analysis of the market. There are the pockets of uh, opportunity that we think need to be built. Things need to be built and uh, products need to be discovered, but it needs to be executed upon. And that's the most critical piece. So when I look to projects, how I go to sleep at night is do I still have belief in that founder? Even if the times get really hard, which goodness, everyone was shaken over the summer. Even if you weren't a centralized lending platform and directly impacted by the mini credit crash that we had in crypto markets, you still were shaken by the fact that the crypto market cap dropped to a third. You know, it went from three trillion to one trillion and a lot of people had uh, all their wealth wiped out overnight uh, as a result of the implosion of the stablecoin terror. So it was very shaky times over the summer. I mean, it's, it's miraculous as typical with crypto, we're already sort of recovering, but you need to be an incredibly strong founder and your belief needs to be really strong and you need to have a talented team around you. So I would say, when the going gets tough, the founders are communicating, they're pulling through, they're thinking on their feet, they're pivoting. I think the ability to pivot is absolutely critical. Uh, uh, so those are the people I back and that makes me able to sleep at night because I, I think to myself, if there is a way to navigate choppy waters, I believe that those founders are gonna do it and they, they've got the best intention to, to pull through and have a very successful uh, company at the end of it. Yeah. Um, so the early investors, um, and that was uh, in 2016 when uh, we started, were literally uh, friends and family. So these were people uh, that were friends of, our, of uh, the co-founders. These were people in, in Hong Kong a lot uh, that worked at banks, that worked in law firms, that worked uh, in accounting firms, and they believed the idea. And uh, you have to imagine 2016 was very difficult to... Uh, get people excited for digital assets uh, so they raised a total of literally one million <laughs> you know one million is nothing when you read about the big american vc funds that raise literally billions now for digital assets so they raised uh, one million and uh, but they returned uh, yeah, a lot uh, yeah i actually know. have here a, someone had written that cmc's first fund made returns of over eight thousand percent yeah, I, I can comment <laughs> on the specificity of that, but yes, in around there, we that was the, uh, the first fund which did really well. Um, so when we talk to investors, um, we uh, discuss with them our track record. Uh, we are really missions led. We believe in digital assets. We started uh, probably earlier than a majority of other investors. Um, and uh, I think the fact that we are based out of Hong Kong also allows us to see a lot of opportunities in Asia. Around one third of all deals uh, globally 
are being funded for Asian companies. And uh, while you have very strong infrastructure projects in, let's say, North America, but uh, consumer-led companies, uh, Web3 opportunities, there are, there's plenty of them here in Asia, uh, Japan, uh, Korea, and Southeast Asia. And uh, that's something that investors are really keen at as well. Uh, if you follow the trend of, say, consumer tech, uh, fintech, uh, Asian companies uh, have dominated uh, them also in the last couple of years. And th those are homegrown companies and uh, not companies that were, call it, imported uh, from the West. So we have strong conviction that uh, through our connections, uh, we will be able to find uh, the next uh, Web3 leaders and uh, make money for our investors. Okay, Yen, if we're out there looking for the best Web3 leaders for you and for your fund, uh, tell me about the kinds of companies that you find most attractive to invest in and the kinds of tech repreneurs that should be targeting Titan Fund as a potential investor. So as I mentioned before, we've had strong conviction in the very past. Uh, we were a seed investor in Solana, Cosmos, uh, Hashgraph, uh, even actually uh, Terra. Of course, everyone knows about Terra. We think we were the seed investor in, in Terra in 2019. And uh, we actually also exited that position three months before everything imploded. Uh, for us, it was about risk management. And we, we, of course, with some luck and also good risk management, decided that we're able to, to actually make a lot of money from that investment. But that aside, we focus on infrastructure. The Web3 or blockchain growth is in my view, still in the beginning, you see a lot of great opportunities, but a lot of the people that are coming in now uh, are really just investment driven. And I think what we are looking for are people that are truly uh, trying to make a difference with blockchain in everyday's life. Right now, you have all the tokens, you have a lot of uh, you know, shit coins that uh, started and people invest, people have lost money. But I would say a lot of sophisticated uh, investors, people with a finance background or people uh, who have strong engineering background were able to benefit, but to a large degree, many others weren't able. And uh, for blockchain to really uh, gain mass adoption, the normal uh, person has to be able to understand and feel comfortable. Well, you know, as a marketer, that really does interest me because I see blockchain as a way of really engaging with your community uh, and giving them a vested interest through the ownership of either a token or a character, etc. Definitely. I would say that that relationship, this this idea of a token is drawing your customer so closely to you. And with that becomes far more innovation in that relationship. And so we're really seeing uncharted territory when it comes to developing community, offering your uh, customers and investors experiences, ways to use tokens that actually are beneficial to them. So it's it's opening up a whole new world of utility. And that is an incredibly exciting inflection point where we're actually going past, past the JPEGs and, and into the functional use of these tokens. Well, and then I imagine those companies would be uh, also serving as advisors to larger corporations or brands that may not have a digital background and helping them. Or are these just companies that are figuring out within their own communities how to leverage their network? So the most important thing for, for what makes one of these platforms successful is there has to be an ecosystem. If it's a closed loop, if it's a walled garden, no matter how great the tech is and the token and, and, and how it's all created, 
there needs to be a broader ecosystem. Crypto really is about partnerships and thinking bigger and better all the time. So I would say that um, you do need to have that expansion plan in mind. And I, I, I understand that it's very sort of generic right now, the way we're discussing this. But what I mean is you can't just issue a token and build a platform and hope people are going to find you. You actually need to go out there, create partnerships, have strategic investors, and that plug and play actually needs to be worked on. And then magic can happen. But I think it's it's a core piece that, that needs attention for, for the startups that are working in this space to be successful. Waves in the Finiverse, the podcast. Speaking to the people making waves in finance, fintech, crypto, Web3, and beyond. Now, um, this year, 2022, has been characterized by some uh, dramatic ups and downs in the valuation of digital assets, or uh, what some people are calling crypto winter. How is that impacting the startup scene and the um, opportunities you're looking at? So most of the teams that I'm working with don't pay very much attention to crypto prices. Yes, when we get together, it's a bit sort of grim faces and all, when are we going to pull out of it? It's a question of when, not if, we're going to move out of this crypto winter, if you like. So the drive, the energy, the teams that are coming together and building, it's actually just a relief that there's a bit of froth that's been taken out of the market. And um, I would say one impact is that some of these projects have held off from listing their token. So while they're working on the project, they're working on the product, the company, whatever it is that they're creating, when it comes to actually the liquidity event for these early stage startups, which is via a token generation event or TGE as it's called, a lot of the startups are are holding off. They are not listing into a bear market. And um, so I would say that that is definitely one impact of, of the down market. But in terms of actually the progress all these teams are making, I would say they're making even more progress in a bear market because there's nothing to distract them and there's no FOMO going on. So actually, it's, it's an ideal time. It's an ideal time to be building. And in my opinion, it's an ideal time to be investing. See, Yen, how successful has the fundraising been to date for Titan Fund? We have now finished the data room and the documents, and uh, now we are talking to uh, a few anchors already. Um, just to give you an idea, the, for, for CMCC, the first initial investors were, as I mentioned, uh, previously mentioned, small investors. But over the years, we have had uh, large um, family offices, big investment groups that have backed us. For example, uh, Pacific Century Group, which is led by Richard Lee. They've been um, a strong supporter and invest in us. Um, so as we grow, we are targeting also uh, more larger, more institutional investors. Fantastic. Well, good luck. It sounds like the next uh, few weeks or months are going to be very critical to you in the fundraising effort. Uh, how long a period will the fund be open for and when do you look to complete the round? Yeah. So within the next, uh, I would say, three months or maybe three to four months, we're looking to have our first close. And that means uh, with the initial anchors or with the initial large investors, we agree on terms, we'll then have our signing for the first close, then we start deploying capital. And uh, after that, for the next nine to 12 months, we hope to finish it. I want to look forward now into the, the coming year. And I just want to, for a moment, stay in APAC, Asia Pacific. 
Uh, what are the kind of trends and drivers that are pushing growth now in the Web3 fintech space here in the region? Are there any uh, particular trends or businesses that seem to be more active here? So in Asia, um, in terms of infrastructure or in terms of uh, areas where we'd like to deploy is on the, in, in financial services. Um, you have had the exchanges, you have a lot of wallets in the last uh, three to five years that uh, have become very successful, but you still need a lot of uh, the railings. Um, and that includes, for example, um, uh, fiat off and on-ramp solutions that are properly uh, vetted, also uh, you know, compliant. That's where then uh, mainstream can uh, join. So financial service, we feel there's a lot of opportunities. Um, and of course, on the consumer side, um, Asia is very much uh, digital native. When you look at uh, uh, you know, China, India, uh, in terms of uh, fintech adoption is the highest, or I think close to 70 or even more percent. And uh, so to use digital solutions for their financials or even um, for their own you know, assets that are digitized, I think it comes very easy for them. And you have seen what uh, the whole fintech, uh, called it, not revolution, but evolution in Southeast Asia that uh, has started in the last also in the five years. Uh, blockchain, we believe, uh, has a place in there. And so we hope uh, that in financial services and in consumer that we'll be able to find a lot of good uh, uh, companies in the next uh, few years. I've been a big proponent of crypto in Asia Pacific. And the reason is, is because I see this technology impacting the lives of people in this part of the world faster and in a more fundamental way than in Western uh, jurisdictions or countries such as the US or, or Europe. The reason being is that so many individuals in Asia Pacific are unbanked. So the World Bank says that 30% of the adult population is unbanked, half of those unbanked people are in Asia Pacific. And so because of the leveling effect of this technology, the ability of crypto and blockchain and decentralization to level the playing field so that people can interact with these protocols, they can save money, they can borrow money, they can invest money, all without needing a bank account and that sort of gateway into traditional finance that has blocked so many people from being part of the global financial system. So I think this part of the world is really important for the whole story of why crypto is important, because it's giving people access that they have not previously had before. And to put that in context, someone in a village in the Philippines, if they've earned any money through you know, a hard day's labor, they never really had anywhere to spend that money. They certainly weren't going to save it. Maybe you'll spend it in the local shop. But now if they're earning money through a digital currency, they now have the ability to go onto a DeFi lending borrowing protocol or an investing platform and do something with that money rather than just spend it. And it's giving more opportunity to these people. And it's incredibly empowering for that reason that right now there is somebody in a village in the Philippines who has equal access to a DeFi protocol that someone sitting in Wall Street has access to and is probably also interacting with. Because the minimums to participate are so low because the infrastructure and the architecture of blockchain is so hyper-efficient. So they can put in a dollar, 50 cents, and the person in Wall Street can put in 
you know, $2,000, $100,000, but it's the same process. It's the same access. And this is the revolution that is really coming into play because no longer can we leave out so many, so much of the global population out of the global financial system. And the result of bringing them all in is that we are going to have a more vibrant global markets. It's going to create more wealth. It's going to create wealth for future generations. And overall, it's going to be a great boost for so many people around the world. As a venture capitalist, how do you keep up with the trends and issues that are affecting the venture capital industry? Is there an association, newsletter, gatherings, meetings? I mean, how do you keep abreast? Well, if there is a newsletter, I'm not on that distribution <laughs> list, so I'd like to sign up pronto. But um, no, I'm, so much of the industry, we get together at events like this. We're very global. We jump on planes at a drop of a hat. And actually the relationships you build with VCs are very sort of organic. So you'll meet people and naturally you'll be inclined to work with people that uh, you just get on with, quite frankly. So no, to be to be a VC, it's, it's a natural network effect um, as you have in so many different industries. And I will say that once you get started and you get into the space, it builds upon itself very, very quickly. And you build this sort of momentum which is very exciting. So yes, it, it, it just it just takes its path. You just got to get started. Tracks in the Finiverse. Is there any music that you would bring along with you in the Finiverse or the Metaverse? Is there any soundtrack that you would want powering your time in the Finiverse? I like all kinds of music. Uh, I grew up in Austria and uh, I think it was in the mid 80s, there was a song by a woman called Lena and she sang that a song 99 Luftballons, which means 99 air balloons. And uh, I actually was listening to the song yesterday, I really liked it. And it's about peace, right, that song. And uh, if I were to enter the metaverse, I think that that would be the song right now that I would take with me. Well, amazingly, I can hear it loud and clear in my head right now, though it's a very well-known song. Thank you so much for joining us at Waves in the Finiverse. Thank you, Walter. This was excellent. Thank you very much. This has been Waves in the Finiverse. Why not hit the subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode? If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then please leave us a review and a five-star rating. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.